This is the Ring of Honor, aka Shane T, boy, the baddest champion you ever seen, boy. This is Mister Anderson. This is good old Jr. Jim Rock, and you are listening. You're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. We got a new world champion. That might be one of the craziest knockouts I've ever seen in my life. Knockouts and three counts is the podcast, baby. There's a real deal. Knockouts and three counts starts now. up no part two because if you guys were already watching and hit that subscribe button then you just saw that badass interview that we just had with jake chris talking all things circle six catalyst going down this friday at the jam handy in detroit and gonna be on pay-per-view on fight tv so uh i am very much so looking forward to that thank you guys for all the questions um I don't think we would have gotten into the story that kind of stole the show. And that was Jake getting into the story of telling about him saving a man from a fire uh, in a burning car. So uh, can't not. Yeah, you're not kidding. What up, though, Donald? We were just filling those in who are going to watch this in uh, separate about uh, our interview with Jake Chris. uh, Donald being in these combats, man, because I know we got a lot to talk about from this weekend and. It's always nice to have Donald's input on that shit. So, yes, Donald can't wait to have a beer this Friday, pal. And then Bruce coming in in the in the hot dude talking about Cyril Gunn is a dirty back of the head puncher. Well, Bruce, we're gonna get into your thoughts and our thoughts and everything when it comes to UFC Paris and AEW All Out and. Um, WWE clash at the castle and uh, all that shit that happened this weekend. Cause it was a lot of shit. AEW. Like there was all a out. lot of fallout all out. You see what I did there? J bone trying to get you with the rhymes over here. You know who else can get you with the rhymes? The homie mega ran man. Who's going to be having his show here this Saturday, September 10th knockouts and three counts is about to be in the building at a lot of places this weekend. Huh? Yeah, man. We are all over. We are all over. Fuck yeah, we are in the building out here. Hey, yo, Brock, (laughs) you got to go and check out our interview with Jake Chris, man. I know you know about wrestling and Impact Wrestling. We were talking about how Mr. Chris told us about him saving a man from a burning car. But, Brock, I know you're, you're in the Detroit area. Are you coming to Circle Six Catalyst, bro? You got to be in the building to see this hybrid ladder match. And, I mean, if you're trying to come through, man, you got to get at me, my guy. Like I said, we're the proud sponsors of that show. We got to get you in the building. Uh, I know Devin's going to be coming through. I plan on coming through. Uh, Donald is going to be there. Let's see. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch AEW. I did watch two of the GCW shows. War Games match was good. rest of the card was okay. And the IWTV show was a complete joke. Damn, Donald's always be coming in with the hot takes. Like, fire, hot man. damn, mm-hmm. like it. It we aren't even. We weren't even three minutes into the interview with Jake Chris. We aren't five minutes into our breakdown of AEW All Out, and Donald is already letting the zingers fly. Yes, we will be talking about GCW, and we will be talking about AEW. Um, well, if are we starting with AEW? Well, we kind of, I feel like we kind of have to start on the wrestling and especially with me being in Chicago. 
Well, that was that leads into because I was going to ask you the next question. How does it compare, just trip wise, in enjoying your Chicago stay compared to our uh, mini vacation that was last year? Um. Okay. So, I think, I think all in all, it was more fun because I last year may have been a tad more fun only because I had you there and uh, McKinnell, Ryan McKinnell, who, Hey, if you guys are busted open fans or fans of Sirius XM, you should be watching uh, or listening busted open, but you can go back and check out our show with Ryan McKinnell, where we made our posts and speaking of clash at the castle, you know, we told you, well, I told you somebody might lose a nipple. And uh, can I just say, J-Bone can confirm for me. I was not lying. If you look at Seamus's chest after that, he may have not lost a nipple, but his chest was pretty fucked up. And and Gunther or Walter or whatever you want to call him at this point wasn't looking that much better. So I'm just saying, I told you so, and I told you before they ever got in the ring, I would, I mean, J-Bone, do you think I'm too far out of the range by saying no, that would be one I would no. recommend for Corey to watch? Because, I mean, dude, they beat the oh, dude, fuck out of it. They had it all. They had your wrestling. They had your fighting. I don't care what you call it. That was a fight, dude. <laughs> that was a fucking fight, dude. Those two that beat was... the shit out of each other, and those are two big-ass men. Loud thuds, lariats, chops. It was, it had it all, dude. Very physical. Probably could, honestly, out of all the matches, that might have been my top match of the weekend. I was very, yeah, I, I expected it, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, we talked about that, Kyle. I, I almost expected that match. We all knew it was going to be a banger. It was just a little more than I personally expected. It was great, man. Way to bring prestige back to that IC title, man. I like, was going to say well, yes. That That's interesting, though, that you guys bring that match up, being that that was not the event that you were at, Kyle. And yeah. so well, that being that being said, is that your match of the weekend, or was it one that you were in attendance for? <laughs> My, I like when he takes his time. I like when he takes his time. I know he's really thinking. Oh, he's just gears are turning. Honestly, no. My match of the weekend is going to be a match that neither one of you are going to guess at. J-Bone, you might know because we were talking about this on the way home. But no, uh, I would say... In most circumstances, that one could, I mean, that match really could still steal match of the match of the weekend. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, Corey, I'm dead ass serious. Like, I really kind of want you to watch that and I want to hear what your thoughts are on it. Um, but my match of the weekend probably would have to be the acclaimed versus Swerve in Our Glory for the tag titles. Cause man, that fucking crowd was just insane. And that match. I'm not going to lie. There were about three or four different times where I'm like, dude, the acclaimed is taking the fucking belts off them tonight. And yeah, I thought so. And, thought and so. swerving them still got the dub dude. Like for me that, that, I mean, between crowd reaction and, and just the roller coaster that was that match. Um, Oh my God, dude, that match, that match was fucking insane. You know, one thing like, about I, that match, that I did like was the fact that Swerve and Keith Lee played to the crowd. They didn't come out there face or heel. They seen what was happening with that crowd and the way that crowd was reacting for the, the acclaim and they played to it. They adjusted on the fly to make you just hate them a little bit. Not enough to put them as quote unquote heels, but just make you hate them for that match. You just wanted to see the acclaim pull it off. 
and it went the other way. But keep going. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I agree completely. And that was part of what made that was part of what made that match, dude. So fucking I mean, it was just so back and forth, man. You're like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know who the fuck is going to win. Like, I mean, you're not lying. Brock, you're telling the truth. And from inside the building, dude, like people were literally sitting there like. I thought that the acclaim were going to get it because man, that crowd was pro acclaimed 100%. Yeah. And that, that really uh, speaks to how you were pumping up swerve, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever it was now where you were saying when he, you know, he wasn't getting the shine that he was, you know, obviously capable of deserving. And now to see him actually being able to put on matches like this, it kind of speaks to uh, what you had seen, you know, back then. Yeah. Hey, did you get a uh, did you get a scissor me daddy ass t shirt? I mean, I fucking thought, bro. I uh, from what from what I from what I read at one point, it was the hottest selling shirt. It the was event. the hottest selling shirt. Scissor me daddy ass. It was a it was a whole ass chant oh, like uh, a quote that like is he, taking over the wrestling world. Only dude, like, and the best part of it. The best part of it is, oh, my God. So there was this older guy that apparently used to be a wrestler that was sitting, like, right next to me. And his girlfriend, like, clearly was not a wrestling fan. It was just kind of there because she wanted to have a good time and shit. And so, like, we're trying to, like, explain stuff. And she's like, I thought scissoring was a thing that girls do. I thought that was, like, a lesbian thing. And I'm like, and he's trying to explain to her, like, no, it's it's like a whole thing. And then, like. And then it was funny because of where I was sitting, which if you're following us at KO3C pod, which you should have been all along, because like I said, I mean, we were giving you guys free chances at tickets to circle six catalyst, which you guys need to be at this Friday. Um, But if you look at where I was sitting, they had to walk right back to like where I like, I was at like the side of the, like the side of the ramp where like, if you're not the one who wins, who usually walks back up through the tunnel, you know, they walk around the side and uh, as they come back through like Bowens is like scissor and everybody, him and Billy Gunn for Christ's sake are like scissor and everybody as they go through instead of like hitting, instead of clapping hands with people, they're fucking scissor and people as they go around the way. And this lady's just looking at it like, what the fuck, man? Only only professional wrestling, dude. It definitely was. And I mean, to get to get back to your point, Corey, I mean, as far as like all out as a whole, I think I had more fun last year because it was me, you and McKinnell watching it together. Um, But the trip was dope because, like I said, we were with Uncle Chase, who shout out to Uncle Chase. You know, for those of you who don't know, I mean, dude, he had one hell of a run trying to even get there to have his fucking match because he his bus got delayed and he missed his match and then they needed time so on 15 minutes notice he wrestled past guests of the show gringo loco's partner asf and then had a banger and then the next morning we had to be up at nine in the morning to go see go to effie's big gay brunch five uh so which he was in, man, you know, this guy's got like a thing for scramble matches. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, he can't never just get a one-on-one match. They have to like put, I mean, that might have to be a new moniker for this guy because the way that they keep stacking the odds against this dude, I mean, every time I see him, I feel like he's in a fucking scramble match. He does a good job of showcasing himself in him, though. 
every clip and stuff that I see him post on his social media. Because you're right, for the most part, everything I do see, he's taking on more than one man at once, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, mm. yeah, it's it's definitely uh, he definitely does his his thing while being able to uh, you know showcase his skills. Master of the scramble match, dude. I I mean, dude, like I said, it was great to get to see um it was great to get to see Chase do his thing. Um like Donald said a little bit earlier, I mean the the war games match was dope um at GCW. I, I don't know how much of a war games match it was because it was like five tag teams in there instead of like the five on five at that point, it's kind of like a big cage yeah. match, but, um, but it was, it, it was cool to be there. It was dope to see it. Nick Gage getting in the, uh, getting in the ring right before war games was dope. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens with him and Moxley, uh, going forward, but we talked a little bit about AEW. Um, J bone, you watched it. You watched it from home. Um, what were your thoughts on the optics? What were your thoughts on the sound of the crowd? And uh, is there anything you guys were wondering about? If there's anything that you guys were wondering watching AEW and wanted to know what was going on in the crowd, let me know in the comments, and I will see if I can answer any of those. I know you had passed passed it to J-Bone, but I do have one quick question because I feel like that was something that stood out from last year, at least for me being more of a casual wrestling fan. Who was the one that night that got the pop? Who was who was the loud entrance? Who was the one that really had the crowd in their hand throughout the night? Even if it's more than one, you know, who who's the guys? Well, I mean, it's kind of hard not to say that it's CM Punk because we were in Chicago. Like, Chicago will rock Excellent. with that guy regardless of what he does, what he says, if he wins, if he loses. Mm. Chicago will rock with CM Punk. And the fact that Beyond. he won the, t- he won ahead, the title sorry. back, yeah. But obviously, it's I would be lying. You know, Brock is saying it here in the, the comments. Here you go. Uh, the MJF return, the crowd reaction in Chicago was ridiculous. You're not kidding. And I will say this. You hear me talk about a lot on the show about liking there to be like a story told, right? So they had the casino ladder match, which we didn't know who the last person was going to be. The last person comes out, has a mask on their head, you know, and then all these guys who unmasked themselves to be the ass boys or Billy Gunn's kids, you know, you got all the big cast or, or uh, W Morrissey is in there. You got all these guys that have been getting these cards from Stokely Hathaway only to figure out that it was MJF behind the whole thing because the lights go out. This guy comes out as the last person. They, they pull down the fucking poker chip and hand it to him. Now he has won the casino ladder match but we didn't know who it was. Then you get to the end of the night, the lights go out An old CM Punk promo from ring of honor starts playing on the screen. And then it cuts to a phone call from Tony Khan to MJF and saying, I will swallow a big, uh, big pill. If you're willing to show up at AEW for the betterment of our fans and blah, blah, blah. And then it cuts. And then it goes to this video of him taking the mask off his head slowly, and you know it's MJF, and then he walks out there, doesn't say a word, just motions towards the title. I think we've all been wondering where MJF was. We were wondering uh, 
how much was going into what happened with everything we had heard with, uh, you know, the promo that he cut and him not being on TV since then, dude, that shit was dope. Big time. Uh, Huge moment yeah. right there, dude. And like I said, anybody who was watching, TV, what were your thoughts on MJF's return? Watching it on TV, dude, it like, you know, you kind of knew what was going to happen, but hearing it on TV, totally different story, dude. That's one of those pops that just put a smile on your face. Like, wow. Like they, they did it right. You know what I mean? At first, honestly, at first when the, when the Joker thing happened, I was like, uh, if it's not MJF, it's going to be bad. But since it was, and like, like Brock said, the pop that he got in Chicago when he's coming out and CM Punk, Mr. Chicago is standing in the ring and just won the world title. Just won the world title. That was Something special, dude. Like I said, that that's one of those wrestling moments. And like, like I always say, I'm always about the wrestling moments, dude. That's one of those moments that's gonna stick with AEW forever because that was that was something special, dude. Not not the, mention the fact that he's flipping off the crowd and they're still <laughs> cheering him. They're still cheering this guy. Like this is one of those guys, man. Like Allah Stone Cold Steve Austin. You, you don't get to choose anymore. We're gonna like you. And that's just is what it is. We like that you're an asshole. So <laughs> we like that you're an asshole. It makes us like you better. That's how it goes. So what were some of the other things that stuck out to you, man, watching it on TV? Because I mean, like I said, the match that sticks out to me as far as not that I didn't think that all the matches on the card would be good, but I mean, really, when you talk about matches that stuck out, dude, the acclaim versus swerving them really was the one that stuck out just because of the match itself um i will say that yeah no you're (laughs) my bad i I was just gonna (laughs) 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 jake show me a soda bitch (laughs) from home i tweeted this out from home when when jungle boy and uh christian cage was about to start that was one of the matches i've been waiting to see I was ready for the payoff and everything. What was it like there when Luchasaurus came out and did the big turn? Did it was the crowd into that? Was it like a did we know that was coming? Were there people cheering? I mean, personally, I was cheering from home because I like Luchasaurus as a heel, but we'll get into that some other time. But was people upset? He didn't that we beat didn't him clean. Back? Brock he, he he didn't beat him clean. He hit him in the he hit him in the balls. <laughs> Um, but, uh, no. Um, so here's the thing. That was what I was actually kind of getting into. So I guess us, uh, you still owe me a soda, uh, us finishing each other's sentences. Um, so here's the thing. When you look at the clock and you realize, oh shit, we still have this and this and this and this and this still to go. You know, Brock is talking about, uh, Danielson, uh, Danielson versus Jericho. I mean, when that got in the ring, it was 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Like when yeah. it's 11 o'clock and that's still getting in the ring and you right before that, you had the women's championship match that still had to go. And then you had the uh, the main event, which was going to be Moxley versus Punk, which you knew was going to go for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, my thought in the arena is son of a bitch. Something's going to have to get its time cut. And then look what happened. We didn't never really have a match between Christian and Jungle Boy. So I wonder if they went into it knowing. Um, I wonder if they went into yeah. it knowing that that was kind of how things were going to play out or 
if that was a uh if that was a you know a plan from the beginning now that being said you know make sure you're staying tuned to our social medias because i do have the clip of luchasaurus choke slamming him on the stage because it was literally right five feet in front of me uh pretty rough but yeah man you know and and that was the thing that was crazy because where we were sitting like i said the way they came back like kip sabian came back after his match with Pac, and him and this guy are getting into it and he takes the box off his head and he's like I suck. I suck. No, your mother sucks, and she wasn't even that good at it. And is just getting at this, getting at this guy. <laughs> and then when FTR comes back, they hopped the wall and came into the crowd where we were at too. So like, uh, it was uh, the energy was definitely there in that arena for sure. Um, I just my big thing, dude, is it's like it's crazy to think like, uh. Good question, Brock. Do I think Tony overbooked the show? In any other case, I would say yes, except for the fact that they only run four pay-per-views a year. Mm-hmm. Like, with the fact that they only do four pay-per-views a year, I understand why they would be longer. Um, That being said, I think there needs to be consideration for that taken into it when yeah. you think about some of the stories that didn't get to completely be finished. And I mean... To be honest, I think the tale of this show, even though what's crazy about it, is that it's the first million-dollar house and the second biggest show in AEW's history. And unfortunately, I am almost worried that the stuff that happened after the show and the post, post-show post media scrum is going to be what's remembered more from All Out than what we saw. Because, I mean, holy hell. We went off the air with Chicago losing their mind because CM Punk won the title. To uh, once that happened, you're just like, I had Mega Ran texting me talking about, oh my god, dude, you need to look at this. And here's the thing: I was supposed to be in that media scrum, and then to hear all of that stuff, you're just like, holy shit! And I mean, we're not talking about only talking about the stuff for a few minutes, so we'll we'll get into that we'll get into that in the overall cloud that it puts over um, the show as a whole. But, you know, another big thing that sticks out to me from that show, uh, what were your guys thoughts on uh, what we saw from what we saw from one Malachi black man, you know, there were all the stories going into it about how he'd asked for his release and all those things. And then they had their match. And then we saw him, kind of bow to the crowd and then walk out hugging the house of black. I mean, they had a badass match too. That was a banger match, dude. The way they, they had a badass match. It was I them still, versus sting Darby was. Allen and Miro, which is an oddball team, but bro, like match. I, I mean, dude, that match was badass. Yeah. And I'm we didn't. So we didn't get to see that on TV, though, Kyle. We didn't get to see that on on uh, pay per view. The the Malachi. Yeah, Black. well, I did. That shit was right in front of me. That right. shit was wild. So, and the first thing that you're thinking of is that. Yeah, exactly. It really puts that kind of in your in your head, like, okay, maybe this is it. But I mean, I don't know the status of his contract, but hey, man, more power to him. If you're not happy. You got to go. That's just how it is. And I, we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. But I seen Brock just say, I'm ready to talk about that when you guys are, man. I got a lot to say about that shit. But 
Well, do you think, is there anything else that I want to know from you? I mean, you were watching from home. I mean, what were uh, some of the other matches that really stuck out to you? Um, Jericho versus Danielson was one for me that I was very, very, very much so looking forward to going into it. Um, Yeah. Number one, I do like the attention to detail that we see in AEW sometimes with the fact that they got Rob Zombie's theme you know, for him to come out to the ring because that was his theme when he was Lionheart, Chris Jericho, and ECW. Yeah. Um, I really, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was dope. Like the little things with it were cool. Um, and Brian Danielson had quite the entrance. Having I don't know who the fuck that guy was, but he was performing <laughs> him out to the ring. I, I mean, I'm not. I don't know. I mean, that's what he looked like. He looked like. Yeah. I mean, not that MGK is like muscled up, but he looked like a skinny MGK. But I mean, hey, the the. That's- Skinny MGK. Skinnier MGK. How, I was gonna say, how do you how that like so you're talking skeleton walked him out. Skeletor is what you're talking yeah, it, was, it was I mean, hey, it, it was a cool entrance. I liked that they tried to hype it up as we know all out is like the biggest show of the year for AEW. So I mean it's uh I, I liked that they both had some, you know, like theme to their entrance and stuff. Uh but I thought that matched would have been a little bit longer again i wonder if that one kind of got crunched because of time or you know what the real story with that one was but again i think jericho and uh danielson again showed why they're two of the best in the world and it was funny because again the lady who was sitting next to us is like talking about oh my god jericho's 50 years old he needs to be out of the ring blah 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 whatever and i'm like Really, Jericho and Danielson have been putting out some of the best shit I've seen them do in AEW. And I mean, I, for one, was very much so looking forward to that, especially with the fact that of it being, uh, you know, the first time they'd ever gone at it. But that being said, you know, I kind of was surprised there wasn't more involvement from Daniel Garcia in that match. Me too. Me too. I thought that he would have been involved some way, somehow. But the whole... uh you know, I asked you not to cheat thing that's going to play into something later on, I think. And that's that's another thing I like about AEW, man. Everything that we watch and everything that we get out of these pay-per-views, I feel like it's always trickling into something else. You know what I mean? It's never like a – they never leave us with nothing. That, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Other places tend to do that a lot, but they never leave us I mean, with nothing. But WWE has been doing a good job of keeping up with better, that too. I mean, look what we saw at Clash of the Cast. With Solo Sokoa coming up from NXT to help Roman Reigns at Clash the Castle, I guarantee you the majority of the regular WWE audience didn't know who the fuck that was. Right, right. But that's another thing that we've seen different in the uh, Triple H era. As you hear them talking about, this is Solo Sokoa from NXT. You know, he's one of the Usos' brothers, or talking about how people were NXT champions, or like with Shayna Baszler versus Liv. <laughs> You know, how they're talking about how she had her uh, championship reigns. But, you know, to get back to AEW, um, like I said, all in all, I thought it was a good show. I think they ran into some problems. Um, I I don't know what we see next for Malachi Black, but, I mean, I definitely, I mean, hell, I mean, watching it in the arena, I mean, that's pretty safe to say that's what it looked like was going on from that. Um I don't know, man. It, it sucks because, like, I mean, especially with him just leaving there. But then again, you know, there's all these reports already of people wanting to go back 
to NXT yeah. and WWE with Triple H being over there. And Bobby Fish from the Undisputed Elite has already left AEW. So, I mean, who knows, dude? I feel like the next few months as far as AEW goes are going to be very interesting uh, to kind of see how it goes out. And it's crazy that we're about to get into talking about what happened after AEW All Out because, dude, CM Punk versus John Moxley was a great match. Yeah, I thought banger match, dude. Physical, bloody. I liked it, dude. It had the wrestling psychology. The ending obviously was great with everything with MJF, everything leading into that. Perfect main event, honestly. I wasn't expecting much considering the way it all went down the previous week with the title change. Hell, the way it started, it almost looked like Punk was going to beat Moxley in a few minutes. Exactly. I was like, whoa, you know, but great show, great main event. Rather, long, I, I liked watching that one from home. I can only imagine how it was sitting there for, well, you had to have been sitting there, what, five hours ish? Considering started, the, started the at about six, about six. So six, six till hours. about about five, five and a half hours. Yeah. See, I'd rather be sitting on my couch because those those seats are not the, the most comfortable, but mm-hmm. still we'll nothing will be. I mean, we'll and when I say worse, I'm grateful to have ever had the opportunity to go to a WrestleMania. I just want to like throw that out there, especially since we're coming out of a pandemic. But I mean, it can't top being in at a WrestleMania for eight hours straight, especially yeah. when it starts raining. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Just imagine. saying, but I know you said you want to get into it, so Jayvon, I will, uh, I will let you go into it first. Uh, what are your thoughts on what happened uh, after AEW All Out? And again, for those who don't know, you know things went way left in the CM Punk uh, post All Out media scrum, and they're you know. Sometimes, you know, there's things that need to just be stayed out of. But at this point, CM Punk has, uh, you know, they were put out there at this point and it's all out in the open yeah. and it's out in the media. So it's not like something that's been hidden. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on um, what are your and those of you guys who are watching? What were your thoughts on what we saw after AEW all out? And do you think that it over uh, it overshadowed? What was a great show from AEW? What up, Joey? I know you uh, are just getting in here. If you didn't get to check it out, you got to check out the interview with Jake Chris, man. He, to- he told some great stuff. Even the story of saving a guy from a burning car. Uh, dude, it was, a, it was a great show. Definitely got to check that out if you missed it. Brock, I see you here in the comments. Is it just me or is Mox looking like? Oh, dude, Mox is that guy, dude. Like, Mox is money for AEW. He has been like the... The MVP, hey, I'd go as I far as say. to say as Mox is or the Chris Jericho. Yeah. I, I wouldn't argue that. I wouldn't argue that. Uh, I mean, he's really picked up the torch. And even if you want to go farther, you know, since Cody's left, I mean, I would definitely say Mox has been up there, especially with Kenny being gone too. Yeah. Like, absolutely, Mox definitely has been stepped up for sure. Joey, we are t- we we were just talking about All Out and CM Punk and John Moxley and how I thought the match with the Acclaim may be uh, my favorite match of the weekend. Um, we're about to get into what happened after All Out, so I'd like to know uh, what your thoughts were with that. Um, okay, so you've watched the entire media scrum. What were your thoughts 
you know, I I told you about it the day after, but I assume you've gotten to watch it all, J Bone. What are your thoughts oh, yeah. on the media scrum? And uh, what do you do? You guys think that it overshadowed what was a really great show? And if you were Tony Khan, you know, how are you feeling about this shit, dude? Honestly, it's super unfortunate, man. And it's just it just goes to show how young this company is still. Keep in mind, we're only, what, three years, two years, whatever it is. But, dude, one, very unprofessional. Listen, I am a CM Punk guy. I go to bat for this dude. I listen to people talk shit about him. I listen to people give him praise. He's part of the reason me and you connected via social media because I'm pretty sure it was all out last year. We were posting about the CM Punk return. I love that guy. But the fact that the dude went on that rant at that particular time Everybody's watching. Everybody's in there. Your boss is to your left. And if that's any sign of disrespect to your company or your boss, you're sitting there eating a fucking muffin, first of all. You're at a media scrum and you're fucking choking down whatever it is. You're choking down fucking pastries while people are asking you questions. Like, come on, dude. Like, right then and there, if I'm the boss, I'd say, you know what? Punk don't need no questions right now. Just go. Because right there, you can already tell you're not in the right mind frame. And one thing, and as everybody knows, is going to well, set fuck, him it off started way before the, the the brownie ever came out. <laughs> right. right. So, and it, it didn't, it wasn't even a question as far as I know. He just recognized the guy that used to hang out with Coke Cabana, do improv, and it just set him off in some way, shape, or form. And he goes on this rant, which shouldn't have been a public rant. Exactly. Con- Tony Khan should have said, hey, this is not what's going to happen here. We're not going to comment on these matters. This take take the clash at the castle press conference versus the all out media scrum night and day. <laughs> These guys know what they're doing. These guys don't. Tony Khan was a deer caught in the headlights, dude. He had no balls. I think so. there and say, hey, he didn't even tell the reporters. No, nah, let's not talk about that. And he went. To off be fair, I do off. think you and I talked about this too. Like I do think. So that's the thing where it's definitely a blurred line with wrestling because obviously, like an MMA scrum. These guys fought and it was what it was. People said what they did and it was what it was. Um, but when somebody goes that far out of left field, you know when it's different. But that being said, I do think that as media, you need to be mindful of some of the stuff that comes up from because from everything that I've seen from the media scrum, like nobody even really asked a, a question about Colt Cabana and like CM Punk opened the whole thing with hello nick you know weren't didn't yeah. you used to be friends with scott colton like yeah. i don't know what that had anything to really do with any of the stuff and then it just went it went left from there like talking about a man's bank account with his mother and 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 but then what's yeah. cr- here's the thing here's the thing that's more interesting to me out of it is like okay that shit i feel like was all left And you know what? He's never really spoken out a whole ton about it. So like I could see, you know, like frustrating, boiling, frustration, boiling over. And you, you know, you said your point, whatever. Here's the thing. When you got to the point where you're calling the EVPs dumb fucks, meaning the young bucks, and you're calling the biggest baby face other than yourself, uh, 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 empty headed fuck. And all these things like now you're just shitting all over the company. And then like when you think about it in this sense, you know, the Bucks are EVPs. Well, Tony Khan, you know, Tony Khan appointed them EVPs. So now you're like you're saying you work, you quote, work with fucking children. Well, 
I mean, Tony Khan appointed those children. So at a certain point, Tony Khan has to be looking at that like, look, bro, like I, you know, I am the boss of this place. And if you're going to go out and be shitting on my decisions. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. It's just that's like a I tough said, dude. Yeah. Deer in the headlights. You, the deer in the headlights up there. Yeah, he had, he had no balls at the time, bro. I'm that's sorry, a perfect, that is what it is. <laughs> that's a perfect analogy for it because being the other man on the stage with the microphone, he definitely should have stepped in and intervened at some point. There's multiple points where he could have and should have, without even being rude and interrupting. You know, he just could have jumped in and said, "Hey, on to the next." topic on the next question you know whatever the case be that's not what we're discussing tonight we just wrapped up an amazing pay-per-view can we ask you know, exactly point poignant questions to what just took place any any of the like but to your point it, it really was he was like i don't know how to okay i guess he's just gonna keep all right well just i gonna guess keep going we're, yeah and then he just yeah it it wasn't a good look for sure. I seen somebody post on uh, Twitter that this is the end of the uh, post AEW media scrums, and it very well. Might no, be. it won't be. Be no, it won't because, be because WWE does them too. They're just not as uh, as free flowing as AEW does. And then to be honest, to be fair, well, I mean, and and I'm not playing devil's advocate, but like to be fair that's one thing that set aw apart like i i think that the media post show media scrums were getting a lot of things that you didn't really see in wrestling but yeah. this is where it gets dangerous because again i don't understand why sometimes people feel the well, need to have to bring shit like that up well to my last point where you were saying that did it overshadow or anything like that at least you know me I, I may not always be paying attention. I'll watch highlights and catch the uh, Twitter buzz and stuff, but uh, it seemed to be what more people were talking about on Twitter after the event was not the matches, not the pay-per-view in general. It was about the media. So that being said, I, maybe you're right, Kyle. Maybe they don't necessarily step away from that completely or anything like that, but maybe definitely But I bet you they're watching the questions that get asked. Yeah, maybe more, you know, it directed i guess you could say where it's like hey we're this is what we have next 10 10 or so questions for this athlete and then you know to the athlete hey we need poignant answers to these questions and then on to the next question we don't need you sitting yeah. here rambling for an hour you know on to the next question yeah. well okay so here's the here's the question though so mm -hmm. i'm gonna show a comment uh that joey's got what do you guys say they do? Because, you know, as we heard after this, a big fight pop broke out. What, how big of a fight? We don't know because anybody saw it. But from all intents and purposes, I heard I've we've heard that CM Punk dropped one of the bucks and that one of the other bucks got hit in the face with a chair and that a steel bit Kenny Omega and like clearly. And I hear the cops got called like and all that, these things. Huh? Yeah, dude. Bad. So like Corey, like I don't know if you watched like CM Punk's whole set and everything he said, but dude, like he dude, I've like, seen, you, I've seen in, probably yeah. a minute and a half worth of different bits and pieces, but I didn't You got to bro, thing. like when yeah. we get done with this, you need to go like watch it and like actually listen to it cuz it was bad enough to where like you can't stop watching it cuz you're just like what the fuck? Like yeah. like 
not only did that happen with the Colt Cabana shit, but then after that, he goes on to shit all over, go all, all about the Hangman Page shit. And then after that, mind you, M- uh, MJF is the guy who won the poker chip and is now going to face you at some point. And then he shit all over him too. Yep. Like, I mean, he literally just shit down the whole roster. That's not a way to endear yourself to a locker room as the champion. No. And especially as a champion, that's you're the one that everybody's aspiring to beat. I guess you made a bunch of storylines and built in heat. That's for sure. But yeah. uh, that's not the right way to go about it. That's that's for sure. I well, and the then like here's what Joey have... says. Yeah, I don't think you and can I get agree, rid of them yeah. all. Number one, you got big contracts. That's not going to happen. Number two, especially with the Bucks being that tied up in a company. Here's the thing. I mean, if I'm being 100% honest, if I'm the Young Bucks, if I'm Kenny Kenny Omega, apparently, if not even Kenny Omega, if I'm the Young Bucks, if I'm Hangman Page, if I'm MJF, if I'm Colt Cabana, when I see CM Punk, we got to fight. Because, like, dude, like, he said some really fucked up shit. So I can't even say that I blame the Bucks for calling him out about that because you did it in public on a media scrum, on a press conference, and you know that they were all still there. So, like, if you thought that that was going to happen and nobody was going to just be like, what the fuck? <clears throat> yeah. Now, I the, mean, report, the report that I read was that Punk was in his locker room. We already know he secludes himself from everybody, which is already a bad move if you ask me. He's in his locker room. The Bucks and Kenny walk into his locker room, apparently. And here we are in said <laughs> locker room, three on one. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, dude. If I, if not saying Punk did anything right, but if I'm one man and three guys walk in and start to confront me on some shit, I'm swinging from my life at this point. I ain't going down without a fight, dude. And luckily, yeah. his boy was there to help him out. So, it all on all parties, everybody. It should have been everybody didn't handle it well. And I mean, I think what it all boils down to is like when punk started going on that rant, like somebody should have stepped in like, yo, chill this shit out. Like this doesn't need to be out in the public. But the problem is once you let it go like that, it comes down to one man. It's Tony Khan. Get some balls. I mean, Joey says they're EVPs. They could be let go at any time. But see, that's the thing. Now they've backed themselves into a, a hell of a thing because you've got contracts. You know that he signed Punk to a shit ton of money. You know the Bucks are making a bunch of money and they're tied up in being EVPs. But then again, like they spoke about on Busted Open and I've heard mentioned in other places. I mean, Tony Khan and his family own the Jaguars. You can't tell me that if the quarterback for the Jaguars got on a post, uh, post-game interview and started saying, fuck the cons and fuck the Jaguars, that you couldn't be held in breach of contract. So we're right. going to have to see how much of this gets spun into a story. But, I mean, dude, if there were ever a time in wrestling where you're like, well, you know that shit ain't got anything to do with the show. Yeah, Kyle, what this would, would be it. What, what would you do at this particular situation, considering everything? If you're in the same seat as Tony Khan, what would you do? What would be your next move? Um, 
Well, if I'm Tony Khan, there's no way that you can't talk to CM Punk and not talk to CM Punk and be like, look, bro, like I understand you had some frustration with the the cabana thing, but he still works for the company. And, you know, again, we're talking about EVPs. We're talking about high ranking people in the company. And you're talking about one of their top baby faces like that. I. Bro. Like, you can't just be out there shitting on people like that, especially as a champion, because if you shit on all these people in a press conference, here's the thing. Why do we as fans want to watch you fight these people if these people are, quote, empty-headed, dumb-headed fucks, like you said? And on top of that, when you throw all the stuff in, it just doesn't make for a good working environment. It doesn't make for a good locker room. It doesn't make for a champion, you know, to be basically shitting on everybody that he's got to go through, including the guy who just became your number one contender that night. Right. Like, I mean, it's not a good look. Here's, Here's the biggest difference. Look at this. You got Tony Khan. You got Vince McMahon. How many times have you ever heard anybody say, I have the very last word when it comes down to Vince McMahon's WWE? It doesn't happen. And Vince made that the way it is. Vince had the last say, the final say, because he was the boss. Tony Khan don't have that. AEW is all about freedom, creative freedom. I get to express myself. Hey, hold on, Donald. I I disagree with Colt Cabana. He wasn't drawing money because he wasn't on TV, but Cabana... But you get my point. You get my point here. I mean, he's relatively new. We get that. Vince has been doing it since dinosaur age. But Tony Khan he don't have that backbone to say, hey, I'm the fucking boss. You're going to do what I say that you're going to do. You're going to keep your fucking shit normal or you're not going to work here. He's afraid to fire them. Here's the thing, though. I feel like you almost don't have a choice in this point because, I mean, what job can you be at where you straight up get in a fucking fist fight and a motherfucker throws a chair at a guy and splits a guy's eye open? Knocks a dude out. Like that, you can't... If all the reports that are coming out from this fight are true, which, again, I take this with a grain of salt because I wasn't there, but when the reports are that one guy got knocked out, another guy got hit in the face with a chair, another guy got bit, like, that's yeah. not a fucking good... I mean, like, you can't just Bad do luck. that shit. Like, Bad if luck. I went to the post office tomorrow and said, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, punched him, kicked him in the dick, and bit the other guy, guess what? I'm not going to be working there anymore. Exactly. Now, you could flip this. If they want to be professional about it and do things the right way, Tony Connie's take them all together and say, look, let's make some money off of this. I don't. You don't have to like each other. You don't have to get along behind the curtain, but go out there, make a good story, have some good matches. You mean to tell me if you got Punk versus Kenny or one of the Bucks, whatever the case is, in the same ring at any time, all eyes will be on that screen, dude. Damn. That's a hell of a comment. (laughs) CM Punk always said he didn't want to be like Hogan, and now he's worse. I mean, I don't know, man. As a fan of AEW, here's the thing. I don't understand how we got into such a place where wrestling fans are so divided to where it's gotten to the point where it's like, if you're an AEW fan, you have to hate WWE. And if you're a WWE fan, you have to hate AEW. Like, I don't want to see AEW go anywhere. Cause I think we can all agree that the competition that's been created by AEW being around 
has not only been good for the wrestling business, but has clearly been good for WWE because ultimately has proven the point that now that Triple H is back and in, in, is in control, they realize some shit's got to change. Granted, we went through one hell of a roller coaster, which we talked about all at length uh, about how we got there. You know, I think having them both thrive is a good thing because you have a viable number two. But the problem is, if you keep having shit like this happen, it's going to crack it right at its infrastructure. So I think, like you said, J-Bone, um, if, if they, you know, if they do this well and can and can straighten stuff up enough to where they can all be professional and do what they got to do, like, yeah, we could get a great story out of this. But if this shit isn't nipped at the bud, dude, it's only going to get... Uh, it's only going to get worse, dude. And I mean, I got to say, I mean, even though I think All Out was a great pay-per-view, I think it did a lot of good, obviously did a lot of good numbers for AEW. I do think that there's going to be a big black cloud that's going to be kind of looming over this with the whole CM Punk thing. I think when a lot of people talk about All Out, they're going to talk maybe not more, but just as much about what happened in the post-show press conference than what we saw in a show and unfortunately i unfortunately i don't think that i mean obviously that's not what you want um who do you think is going to be the first to bring it up on tv <laughs> it's well, going mean, to get brought up well at this point how does it not get brought up like yeah. you you can't act like it didn't happen Donald, I don't know that I agree with you, like playing with daddy's money, because I mean, they're a proven commodity in multiple, multiple teams between the Jaguars, the soccer team that Tony owns is doing well as well. I mean, they've proven that they can do their thing with money, but I mean, at the very least, you got to tighten shit up because it ain't good for a locker room. It's just not. And again, I'm not speaking from any kind of experience, but all I know is regardless, just from a pure PR standpoint, it's not a good look. It's not a good look, and after all that shit that happened with you and Eric Bischoff, you're making Eric Bischoff look right. But at the very least, I have to say, between, uh, again, the FTR and um, uh, Wardlow match, I mean, there were so many great matches. I enjoyed the card. I thought the show was great. Um, I enjoyed being in the arena to be there and get to experience it and all those great things. But obviously, we had to talk about that as well. But holy shit, dude, that wasn't even like all that happened. I've still not even made it like all the way through like the UFC Paris card. I tried to watch it mm-hmm. yesterday and I passed out. Um, I've seen Robert Whitaker and uh, Vittori. I've seen most of Sorogan and Tuivasa. And uh, shout out to Tuivasa. Maybe there's power in the shoey. Maybe J Bone's just too big of a pussy. Uh, but, tequila uh, shoeys, baby. Tequila shoeys. <laughs> Better hope that Damn, liquor kills that hot, all them. Hot take. I'll put money that AEW is gone in That's five years. Take. Damn it, Donald, stop being a negative Nancy. Gonna be stop being a negative uh, Debbie Downer, damn it. But uh, let's put a pin in AEW for a minute. What were your guys' thoughts on uh, UFC Paris and what down what? with that? Corey, I know you were more in tune than that. So since we've already been going for a minute, what were your thoughts on what we saw on this main card, bro? itching at the neck to get to my fight breakdowns over it. no but uh since since uh Whitaker and Vittori is what you uh kind of led with and what you were able to uh make it to man 
talk about oh Bobby Knuckles in there putting on a master class, man. He showcased why he was the champion and before Israel uh, Adesanya came in the division and kind of took it by storm, he was, you know, rightfully in that position because Marvin Vittori, if you look rankings wise, was the uh, other number one uh, contender that wasn't already matched up being Pereira. Uh, And Vittori just had nothing for him, man. That first round was fairly even, but Rob Whitaker had came out uh, after the, in his interviews and said that he just was kind of feeling him out and stuff and didn't necessarily turn on that switch until the second round. But man, once he got going and once it was really like the last two minutes of the first round on, it was just all his fight. It was just, you know, classic Whitaker performance where he's darting in and out using his feints, using his, even being the slightly smaller guy in there, man, he did an amazing job. He really, really did. I could, I cannot undervalue his performance enough. I feel like given any other circumstances where Izzy wasn't the champ or had he not already fought him with that first fight. And beat him both twice. Did. Yeah. But I feel like that second fight was very close, and I feel like if that first fight not saying it wasn't, place, but when you beat a guy twice, well, it makes it hard to give him a third fight. That's what I'm saying, though, is that if that first place, that first fight had not taken place the way it did, if it was similar to the second one, if we were Camaro and Colby type of rivalry where it was like that, I feel like Whitaker would be deserving of a third fight, putting on the performances that he has. But because of that first one, I think he's still uh, gonna have to do a little bit more. But uh, man, oh, Bobby Knuckles showing why he's uh, still at the top of the division—that's for sure. So what do you? So what do you think he does now, though? Do you think? Uh, do you think now it's, he kind of just waits to see what happens with Izzy and uh, Pereira, and if if Izzy wins, he says fuck it and goes to two hundred five, or do you think he's gonna try to take I, another crack at that belt? Well, me and you had had the conversation, and I know it had taken you by surprise, and it did me as well when I had first heard him talking about it, possibly making that move up to 205. I feel like this fight was a perfect example of why he shouldn't. He was already slightly undersized against Marvin Vittori, who isn't even the top end of the biggest guys in the division. Marvin Vittori's a big dude at 185. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely up there, but... Rob Whitaker was definitely the smaller guy in there that night, both stature and, you know, frame wise. And if he was to make that move to 205, his speed would definitely get him some solid wins in that division. But I don't know if his speed would be enough to overcome some of the size that you see in that division. I mean, some of those eventually he'd have to get bodied size wise. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's the move, especially when you talk about he used to fight at 70. I know he talks about, you know, killing himself to make that weight back in the day. But, you know, it, I don't think that's necessarily the move. And I feel like he's just kind of stuck, unfortunately. I feel like maybe we see, like, if Strickland gets another win, maybe we see him, him versus Strickland. Strickland's going to need a few, man, because he got knocked the fuck out by Pereira. <laughs> yeah, you say that, you say that, right? But they were putting him right up against Cannoneer, who Cannoneer's last true. loss was Izzy. So that, you know. Like... I mean, that's true. But I mean, that, I mean, again, that could be Sean Strickland being able to pick the bones and, 
You know, Strong Strickland right. being able to pick the bones, get him what? a money fight, get him a win, and be able to, the, you know, bring his way right back in the title picture. You're right. I'm just yeah. saying that really kind of more to me paints the picture of that kind of to me paints the picture more of the lack of depth at 185 than it yeah. does, you know, Strickland right. really getting in a fight. Because, I mean, if we're talking about this at any other weight division, yeah. like, even go down one weight class and say he does that at 170. He's got to win easily at least three or four fights to get back to a title. Mm-hmm. Yep, but yeah. that's not the case, and especially when you're talking about somebody who's been skyrocketed towards a title shot in Pereira. It's it's different when you lose to those guys. It, it just is. I know what you're saying, and I agree with your tendency. You lose in the top five. Normally, you have to at least win two or three good solid wins to work your way back up into that number one contention fight. But I don't know if that's necessarily the case, especially with the kind of lightness of the division and the fact that Izzy, you kind of have like the champion one champion two where effect where Izzy's beaten everybody. And then also Rob Whitaker's beaten everybody. So it's like you, it's hard to work up a legitimate number one contender because of the fact Rob Whitaker is still there. He's still beating all these guys. So it's, it's rough. So that's where I feel like you could see somebody just kind of move their way around the shuffle. And I feel like that's what we're already seeing with Pereira. But last note on this fight, seeing Paulo Costa was calling out Rob Whitaker. If that's the fight that gets made, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it myself. Honestly, I feel like Paul Acosta doesn't deserve a number one contender type of fight. Yet. No, I feel like I feel like him versus the Strickland type would make more sense in my opinion. But that 100%. being said, that being said, I don't necessarily know what's next for old uh, Bobby Knuckles. I just hope to uh, see him put on another quality performance like he just did in his next bout. Um, I, I don't know if you got anything on that one, Jay Bone. If not. Hey man, you covered it all, dude. That's why yeah. that's why it's corner up in here, dude. <laughs> no, not, like you said, man, dude put on a clinic, man. It just he, what can you say? Perfect fight for him, dude. Besides that first round, he got the feel for it and, and did his thing, man. Classic, classic Bobby Knuckles right there. So not much more I could say about it. And even in that first fight, man, or in that first round, he didn't even really get touched either. So it wasn't like he was losing or something along those lines. It was just you could see where the transition had taken place, where the momentum was fully in his side. But jumping into that main event, I know you hadn't seen it, Kyle. Boy. Well, that was what I wanted to ask you about, though, because, like, you know, Bruce always be coming in here with some crazy shit. That's why some of his shit doesn't always make it to the screen. (laughs) But... You know, yeah. hey man, sometimes I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta cut shit off. You know, Tony. Sometimes you gotta. You got a Tony Khan thing, so no, he doesn't do that. <laughs> At least no you comment. got some balls. That's At what Tony should have said. That's what he said. But uh, with that being said, you know, Gon's. I've got a bunch of comments here from in the beginning with Bruce. Uh, Gon's dirty back of the head puncher, bro. He targets the back of the head deliberately. Uh, Gon is Gon has a finishing move, and it's the dirty back of the head punch. <laughs> That's his finisher WWE style. And then he went on to say how we're condoning uh, the back of the head puncher by not condemning them. 
So I, what were your thoughts on the main event? And is Cyril gone a man, a dirty back of the head puncher? I, I don't agree with the analysis that he is a dirty fighter. That being said, I definitely peeped in the moment when he threw that like swinging. That dark side of the ring was really dope, Donald. I, I did I did definitely notice that, and I was like, oh, hey, you're definitely not yeah, supposed to do that yeah. to somebody's back of the head. I definitely noticed that and was like, hey, that's kind of frowned upon for sure. But I feel like the thing was, though, is he was already in a finishing sequence where I don't think that punch actually made the difference. If it was something where it made the difference, I would be stronger in your opinion. But with the fact that he was already being spun already on his way down i could see where you and the likes of jds former opponent of his making that argument as well that hey surreal gone's kind of a dirty fighter but i feel like he was just already in the mid swing i feel like if i feel like he was just swinging at a target and it happened to land on the head but it wasn't necessarily what he was he was just throwing hands at that point i don't think it was a targeted or a thought out process where he was like hey i'm gonna hit him in the back of the head because i know it'll fuck him up in this position well, i don't, I don't think, think it was even it. intended for that it was just kind of like yeah. let me yeah. get a punch out you know what i mean type of yeah he had he had the momentum with the shoulders already going you know it's hard to but either way that main event had uh, fireworks all over it. Um, like my uh, little breakdown from last week had said, if Tai Tuivasa is able to uh, circle him and keep him up against the fence and back him up and you know use his footwork to his advantage over a, somebody with superior footwork, which he was able to do in a lot of positions, man. Mm-hmm. Tai Tuivasa did an amazing job for somebody of his size, his stature, everything like that, being the shorter man in there with the less reach and stuff, he was really doing a great job of getting in, getting out. It Honestly, I, if it wasn't for those body shots, I feel like that was what made the difference was those body shots in the later rounds, man. You could just see where it was starting to really eat on him. And after probably the fourth or fifth straight <laughs> stab to his stomach, man, because those were – those were knives going in. Those Wasn't it almost kicked. like he was like trying to punch through them? It was just like, dude, yeah. guard your body. He's just taking it and taking it and taking it. Like eventually, you're gonna you're gonna collapse, dude. Well, I think Surreal Gam was trying to set him up for that head kick, which he was able to land later on as well. But I feel like that was the big thing. He was trying to set him up in those positions. And uh... shout out Ty to Avasa man for showing all the heart in the world. He did not give up on himself in many positions where he definitely showed that his body was wanting to. He definitely looked like a man that was on his way out on multiple occasions and ducked, dived his head, dodged one shot and landed a haymaker back. You know, like when he dropped gone in that, I believe it was the second round, I was like, man, is it tied to Avasa fucking won the fight? Yeah, Holy shit. I thought like, it was over. I thought it. it was over. And for Gone to show what he was able to show in that fight, because he took quite a few shots as well, man. I I don't feel like he deserves as much praise, I guess, for this fight, because I feel like he could have fought smarter. He could have done a better job of circling out, not gotten hit. But he did show a lot of heart as well. 
and he really did showcase some really good skills in there, man. And he was able to, for such a young fighter in his career, I know he's not the youngest guy in the world, but in the heavyweight division, he's fairly young at 32, if I'm not mistaken. But his MMA career, he's only like four years in. Corey, we're not like that, that far from 32. We can't make these guys sound that old. Yeah, but when you're professional athletes, you got to be younger than me now, or else you are old. You know, that's the name of the game, unfortunately. You shut the fuck up. 30 to 32, most men are getting in their physical prime, so you fuck you. Yeah, but you tell that to all the uh, NFL teams out there releasing everybody this week, saying, oh, you're 31. Well, fuck them, well, okay, fuck cool. them too. <laughs> but, but back to the main event, man. Gone did an amazing job of spotting openings when they were presented, like I was saying with these uh, knifing kicks to the uh, midsection and stuff like that. Anytime that any – he would trick Ty to Avasa into keeping his hands low because of all the shots, and immediately a head kick would smack him upside the head. Or as Ty to Avasa normally does, he keeps his hands high and throws these bombs. As soon as he does that, you're, jab- you're hitting him to the midsection. He just did such a great job of spotting openings as soon as they were available, and that's really what made the difference in the fight more than the footwork, where I thought what was going to originally win the fight to begin with. So, shout out both guys. I don't feel like Tai Tuivasa. That's upsetting. That you know what? I I wish you would have become an Olympic gymnast too, because damn it, you know I realized that I wasn't going to fight in the UFC and box, and now I just run and flap my gums about it. But uh, <laughs> you know. Like I said, I've been flapping my gums a lot about Circle Six, and uh, you know, Jake Christ is already speaking very highly of our chat with Mister Christ uh, headed into the hybrid ladder match that's going down this Friday at uh, Circle Six. So, if you haven't already done so, make sure you hit that subscribe button and make sure you check that out. I mean, dude, we've gone another hour on top of what we already had going on. There was a lot of shit that we had going on. We talked about AEW, we talked about uh, UFC, we talked a little bit about Clash at the Castle. I mean, hot damn, dude. I think we uh, covered the gamut. Um, I don't know, my jaws are tired at this point. (laughs) Uh, My jaws are tired and I wasn't even the guy that saved somebody from a burning car. My back is broken. Yeah, mine too. And (laughs) (laughs) what were you trying to practice the ladder bumps in your sleep? I mean, if I were in a hybrid ladder match that's going down this Friday, I could see why my back would be fucked up. You know, but uh, here's a million dollar question, Corey: Are you coming to Circle Six or what? Yeah. All right. Corey's gonna be in the building. D Mac's gonna be in the building. Corey, you're gonna be there. You're gonna be there. Yeah, yeah. Holding them up, dude. Holding them up. Stick them up. Stick them up. Yeah, I, got a, I got a busy weekend thanks to the boys that uh, knock out some three counts. Oh, yeah. And Mega Rand's in town. Mega Rand's in right, town. About to tear shit down on September 10th. Uh, who knows? Maybe we could see uh, Mega Rand come back to the show real soon. You already heard it. That's why, like we say, you never know who's going to show up in that box. Shout out to the boys from Five Finger Death Punch on their new album being out and killing shit and doing their damn thing. Well, you know what? I have flapped my gums for long enough on this motherfucker. 
And if you haven't already done so, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on the podcast platform, like our friends from Chicago who were sitting next to me at Effie's Big Gay Brunch, I appreciate y'all. Make sure you hit subscribe button on all them bitches. And once again, shout out to our sponsors, G3 Payroll and Tax. If you're going to get yourself together for the tax season, Jack and the homies at G3 Payroll Tax and Accounting will get you together. I mean, I know where I'm going for my taxes. So uh, you need to do the same. Go check out G3 Payroll Tell them Knockouts the Three Counts sent you. And uh, you need to make sure that you're at Circle Six Catalyst this Friday. Because if you don't, I got a feeling I'll be coming back here Tuesday and making you wish you did. So until then, and in between time, peace.